This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, yesterday in Arizona, President Joe Biden made a very serious speech, way over and beyond really what one would say in a general election. And of course, he's hopefully going to be running against Donald Trump next November. It's just over 12 months from now. And in the speech, Joe Biden described America as being a dangerous place. He said, and I quote, something dangerous is happening in America. There is a serious threat to our democracy And he described that threat as being what Donald Trump, a former president and a candidate likely in the next race, has done to the Republican Party, which is, of course, a party with great traditions. And in particular, Trump will be remembered for destroying or trying to the respectable wing of the Republican Party, perhaps best represented in many ways by the late Senator John McCain, who spent five years in prison in Vietnam, who was a war hero, and Trump disgracefully described him because he was not a fan of Trump's. He said he didn't he didn't respect him because he was caught. It was a terrible moment. And of course, around that time, John McCain was suffering from serious health problems, which proved to be terminal. And that kind of debate and that kind of remark, which was so shocking at the time, is now popular currency in American politics. There are many other things, of course, that Trump has darkened. And we're joined now from the United States by Niall Stanich. Niall is the associate editor of a respected Washington newspaper, The Hill, and The Hill's White House columnist. Niall, this speech that Joe Biden made, anyone who's been listening to your reporting from Washington over the past few years will immediately get it, and the whole world gets it now because we do know how important it is that Trump does not return to the White House. This is a very, very difficult race, but Trump is and has for some time thrown to making remarks that are way beyond the norm. 
Yeah, he certainly is, and he's always politically survived those. I remember the original controversy that you're alluding to when he disparaged John McCain's service and said the thing about he prefers people who didn't get captured. At the time, that was expected to be uh, politically fatal to Donald Trump's hopes of capturing the Republican nomination back in 2016. It was thought that a party that typically reveres the military and reveres military service wouldn't stand for such a comment. That clearly proved wrong. It didn't damage then-candidate Trump at all. And there have been innumerable controversies since then, Eamon, and many of them along the same lines of, you know, where one draws the line of decency or propriety in political debate. And the speech that President Biden gave was, I think, part of a broader effort by Biden to really underline the stakes in next year's election and to cast not just former President Trump, but the Trump-following Republican Party as beyond the pale in some way, or as you know, Biden often uses the phrase extreme MAGA Republicans, trying to really underscore that idea that it's a very different party in 2023 and will be in 2024 to how it was even a decade ago or 2012, for example, when Mitt Romney was the Republican Party nominee for president. So I think it's part of that uh, electoral push by the current president. Yes, and that phrase or that word, MAGA, is make America great again. And that is one of Trump's slogans, the one really that resonates the most. Meanwhile, within the next 24, 48 hours, the American government may shut down because of a disagreement in Congress about funding. The Republicans hold the Congress by a very narrow majority, and Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of that Congress. McCarthy is a fairly discredited character who is now third in line for the presidency, should anything happen to the president and the vice president. A shutdown of the government in the United States can be anything from serious to grave, depending on how long it takes. But people in the military and people working for the government in all kinds of ways don't get paid, and it can be very, very serious if it's prolonged, can't it? It can, yes. It gets more serious the longer it lasts. If it is something where there's a 24-hour or 48-hour blip where a last-minute deal is agreed upon, then the effects can be obviously minimized. That becomes less tenable the longer this does go on. It is now assumed, Damon, to be a near certainty that there will be a government shutdown of some duration. The current funding for the United States government runs out at midnight, when Saturday becomes Sunday is when it runs out, basically. Yes. Now, the, the question then is that will lead probably to the immediate thing, shuttering of national parks and things of that nature. And a large number of employees of the federal government will be uh, furloughed and uh, it will take some time before they get their back pay. So that will be a disruption at the very least. That disruption can obviously have ramifications on, for example, the stock market, which then uh, in turn transmits those effects 
globally. Now, it's not, people often get confused between a government shutdown and a US default, which would be even more catastrophic and was narrowly averted uh, a few months ago. But a government shutdown for the people in the United States, particularly, can be a, a serious thing, is a serious thing, and seems a near certainty because of the extent to which the most hard right members of the uh, Republican uh, Congress are ill disposed toward Kevin McCarthy and disinclined to take the deal that he's kind of offering. Yes, and one should make the point that the Senate, where the Democrats have a a one-vote majority really effectively, is not in agreement with this. There is, though, a gang of hard-right disruptors who are Trump followers in the Congress, where I think McCarthy just has a a narrow enough majority, it would only take one on the deal he did, one member of Congress, Republican or Democrat, to put down a motion that he should be dismissed for him to be dismissed. So he has no room to manoeuvre and he's trapped and the whole of America is trapped really by what is a very small group of hard-right Trump followers elected to the Congress. Yeah, there are around 10 Republicans who have said that they will not vote for the stopgap measure that McCarthy is proposing. To make a long and rather complicated story short, McCarthy is proposing a measure that would keep the government open while a longer-term deal is negotiated. Ten of those Republicans who I mentioned, the the MAGA Republicans, uh, have said that they won't go for that, or at least one of their leading lights, Matt Gates, a Republican uh, congressman from Florida, has said he has ten people uh, hewing to that position. Uh, assuming Gates is correct, that is enough to uh, thwart any deal, unless, of course, Democrats were to come to Kevin McCarthy's aid. We should perhaps mention, Eamon, that, um, as you say, McCarthy, McCarthy has no room for manoeuvre, and so he sort of snookered both ways, because while he has those approximate 10 MAGA Republicans on one side, he also has 18 Republicans who represent districts that were carried by Biden in 2020. Yes, Those people have uh, not much patience with the Matt Gateses of the world. They want to keep the government open to, uh, among other things, preserve their own electoral prospects. And it seems like they're going to be, uh, at least temporarily, thwarted in that desire. So it really is a very messy situation and one that is caused by the very, very narrow majority that Kevin McCarthy has as Speaker, the narrow majority Republicans have in the House of Representatives, and the difficulty in finding a manageable way around that when the uh, party is so sort of factionalized. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, meanwhile, to go back to Donald Trump, in New York yesterday, a judge delivered a judgment against him and his businesses. He was found guilty of fraud, and very serious fraud, over a sustained period of time. 30 years, I think, was mentioned. It was described by one observer, a lawyer, as a corporate death penalty, because on the back of this judgment, he, Donald Trump, and his two sons were found guilty. They will not be able to run a business in New York. Of course, he is appealing, but the chances of his appeal succeeding are slender, given the remarks of the judge who described his behavior as outrageous. Incidentally, his defense was, in particular in, in relation to the Trump Tower, where he was telling banks he was borrowing from that his penthouse suite in Trump Tower, where he lives, was 30,000 square feet, it is, in fact, 10,000 square feet. His defense was that nobody believed him. Everyone knew that people exaggerated their wealth and their business success to borrow money from banks. And on that basis, he felt he wasn't guilty. The supreme con man, but in this instance, he looks like he's trapped. He does. I mean, it is clearly a major verdict against him. Now, some of your listeners will be thinking, well, is he going to go to jail? Not no, on this civil case. Not because it is a civil trial. He's yes. found liable uh, rather than criminally uh, guilty, so there's no possibility of any jail sentence. But I think you've already highlighted what is the big ramification of this finding by the judge, which is the stripping away of the license to do business in New York. That is very, very serious because obviously, you know, the Trump Organization and various other entities associated with the former president are based there. His lawyer has come out and said that this judge's finding is un-American. Um, there is to be a non-jury trial opening into the civil uh, accusations of fraud next week. But the... Um, depriving of Donald Trump of the right to legally conduct business in New York is a big blow against him. And I think that's why you're seeing him and his legal team react with such fury to it. Now, to go back to 
President Joe Biden's remarks of yesterday in Arizona about something dangerous happening in America and the threat posed to democracy by Trump, many Republicans feel the same way. But really, as well as this judgment in New York yesterday, which is, of course, a serious matter, he's facing 91 criminal charges mm-hmm. in four separate cases. Yet his ratings, poll ratings, appear to rise the deeper he gets into this criminal mire. And that is the disregard for law shown by those Republican voters that is at the heart of the something very dangerous happening in America, isn't it? Well, it's the view of those Republican voters that, I mean, they don't believe in the in the judicial system as currently constituted. In other words, they take Trump's view that he is being unfairly targeted by a politicized justice system, and they therefore, I think, assume every time he is indicted, now four times, as you say, that this is in fact further evidence that he is in some fashion being victimized. Now, most people uh, who I think would um, look at these things in a fairer light or through a more realistic lens would find allegations from Trump about politicization of the justice system fairly risable given his own um, conduct while president, given that, for example, as a candidate for president, he famously sort of led or instigated the chance of lock her up uh, in relation to Hillary Clinton. Um, You know, he was clearly of a mind to deploy the justice system to go after his enemies. Um, As far as Republican voters are concerned, it's not that they think, for the most part, he's guilty and that they don't care. It's that they think the charges against him are fake, are trumped up, uh, pardon the phrase. And so that's uh, what has, I think, allowed him to politically survive and to lead the Republican field, as we have discussed before, by a massive margin. I mean, depending on the poll you look at, he's somewhere between 30 and 40 points clear of his nearest rival, which is the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. DeSantis actually is sinking and maybe overtaken for seconds sometime soon, uh, probably by Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina. Yes, and former UN representative appointed by Trump, I think, to the Mm -hmm. United Nations. Now, there was a Republican debate on Wednesday night between those vying for the nomination to run for the presidency. Trump has decided he's so far ahead that he doesn't need to take part in these debates and hasn't so far. And Nikki Haley is one of the people who would, should she grow her support, be a challenger. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who many people felt, what, six months ago, was an alternative to Trump, although a darker and perhaps more dangerous alternative many may feel, he's sinking, and he's sinking fast. Nikki Haley is rising. There is another candidate who was once a serious contender for the presidency or the nomination. That's Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey. On Wednesday night, he criticized Trump for not turning up. He said, we won't know you as Donald Trump anymore if you don't come to these debates. We'll know you as Donald Duck. Now, that kind of ridicule might just get to Trump more than the criminal charges or even the corporate death penalty served in New York. 
yeah, he's certainly famously thin-skinned and won't like any of those kind of comments. And, you know, Chris Christie has had a rather complicated relationship with Trump in the sense that at times he's been close to him, was one of the first people to endorse Trump after his own, Christie's own uh, quest for the nomination in 2016, went nowhere, uh, now a very vigorous opponent. It's certainly true that those kind of jabs annoy Trump. He, uh, you know, famously responds to them with great um, anger. In saying all of that, uh, you know, Chris Christie, though a talented politician in some ways, is simply campaigning a message that the Republican Party of 2023 doesn't really want to hear. Um, I mean, we're talking about a party or, or an electorate in the Republican primary that uh, about 80% of them view Donald Trump favorably. And so they are not, therefore, inclined to uh, rally around Chris Christie's anti-Trump um, rhetoric. Christie is clearly running as the most anti-Trump candidate in the field. Whether he truly thinks there's a path to victory that way, I'm skeptical of. But it's a way of maintaining his own relevance and, and perhaps, you know, getting some gig or other after the campaign is all over. But he's making very little progress in the polls. Now, in the interest of balance and fairness, and staying on the right side, of course, of Donald Trump, we should point out that Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, is in some serious trouble legally. And also, and most of our listeners may not be aware of Senator Robert Menendez, who is a senator from New Jersey, which is where Chris Christie was governor once upon a time. Senator Menendez is a serious dude. He's the chair of a Senate committee, and he is in big trouble for corruption involving the Egyptian government. Can you tell us about that? Because it is something that Trump's supporters can point to because he hasn't been denounced by Biden although he has been denounced by 30 Democratic senators mm. and they want him to resign. He ain't going anywhere, he says. That's right. He does say that. He is, though, in very, very serious trouble. He has been indicted on bribery and corruption charges. Um, again, making a long story short, the idea is that he intervened at the behest of a group of businessmen um, or, well, two or three separate people, all of whom were uh, allied with um, his wife, and they basically wanted Menendez to help expedite aid or the sales of military equipment to Egypt. And there was also an allegation that he attempted to interfere in a criminal investigation into one of these figures, trying to get it resolved in this person's favor. The main uh, headline or the most potent imagery out of this case, Eamon, is that um, Mr. Menendez and his wife had gold bars and about <laughs> half dollars in cash in their house yes. when it was uh, raided, which um, is not, I suppose, evidence of wrongdoing in itself, although I have no gold bars uh, around. And it's uh, the allegation is that these were part of the bribes made in order for the senator to do these people's bidding. Um, he has faced uh, charges before and ended up in a in a hung jury about uh, five or six years ago. That was a separate matter where he was accused of uh, basically corrupt actions regarding a friend of his and ultimately, um, well, I was going to say got away with it. He would say that he was innocent. He also protests his innocence in this case, but it is obviously one 
where there are a huge number of questions given, you know, given the, the gold bars and the half a million bucks. Yeah, and he is a Democrat, and therefore you can understand to some extent why many Republican voters look at him, they look at Hunter Biden, they look at Donald Trump, and Trump has the redeeming virtue of appearing to be a famous rogue and a bit of a card, mm. as we say in, the, in these parts. Yeah. That's his, his thing, isn't it? That he's anti-establishment, he's successful, he's rich, and that's why he's despised, not because of the more serious things, including a threat he issued recently to the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, a very respected General Mark Milley, who recently, as a few hours ago, has had to have special protection for his family on the back of a remark of Trump's that implied that he should be executed for making a call to the Chinese to assure them that America were not going to attack. You probably know the details, but this is the level of dangerous rhetoric that Trump can stoop to. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the uh, General Milley uh, was... Trump said that his conduct was so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death, yeah. a fairly thinly veiled threat to the general who, as you say, has now had to beef up his own security. Uh, it's the kind of rhetoric that Trump engages in quite a lot, frankly. Um, and it is something that has, I think, almost unquestionably coarsened American uh, discourse over the time that he has been politically prominent. Um, you started off there, Eamon, talking about the fact that, you know, the, the kind of anti-establishment thing appeals to his supporters, and there's no question about that. Back in 2016, I remember people talking about the idea that those who voted for Trump were voting with their middle finger. In other words, the idea yeah. was it was a show of defiance toward not just the Democratic Party or Hillary Clinton, as it was then, but to a sort of broader elitist establishment. I do think that is uh, part of Trump's appeal, um, and it has clearly sustained him through all sorts of massive controversies, you know, including January the 6th, but also including all sorts of more minor issues of this kind of inflammatory language. And that hold that he has upon that segment of the population does not seem to have slackened off at all or loosened. It is, in fact, still extremely firm. Hence, the Department of Justice and the Special Prosecutor, Jack Smith, mm. he described him as deranged mm. and Institution by institution, he is discrediting the institutions of the state. He made three appointments. He got to make three appointments to the Supreme Court in his presidency. The Supreme Court has reversed the Roe v. Wade abortion legislation mm -hmm. and said that the states can decide for themselves. Very important, a legislation that had been in place since 1973. So, Bit by bit, he is, has changed America or put people into positions of power who can change America and who are, in the case of, say, the abortion matter, mm. in the extreme camp rather than for a nation of 320 million in the consensus business. 
Yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, clearly Trump's influence on the judiciary is going to be one of his longest-lasting legacies, even if he uh, fails to get re-elected to the White House. Yes. The impact of that will last for decades. I just wanted to circle back to a point that you made, which I think is, is very important, Damon, about the discrediting of various institutions. As you were talking, I was reminded there's an infamous quote from our old friend Steve Bannon, who of course was Trump's strategist yes. in the 2016 campaign and worked for him for a while in the White House, which I, I don't think we're banned from profanity on this podcast. No, no. Bannon, Bannon once famously said that the real opposition is not the Democrats, it's the media. And the way to deal with them is to flood the zone with shit. Yeah. And the, the idea really, Bannon is a intelligent man, though, an extremely, extremely right-wing one. And the idea really, I think, was you just throw all sorts of stuff out there. And in doing that, it takes so long to for people to distinguish what's true from what's not, that you just sort of neutralize yes. everything. And I think that that mentality has actually guided Trump, even though he and Bannon have all, had all sorts of um, fallings out and coming back together. Um, I think that that mentality has been actually quite uh, an important one in Trump's political career. And Bannon hasn't gone away. He has a podcast and is still an influential and very active figure in right-wing circles. Just mm -hmm. to finish off, Niall, with a case that surfaced again this week. It involved a young assistant to Mark Meadows. She was his chief of staff. Mark Meadows was Trump's chief of staff at the end, at the January the 6th moment, when he had been voted out of office and was trying to find a way to actually stay in office. She's published a book. She gave testimony to the January 6th committee, the House of Representatives committee, and her evidence was, and crucially, that he knew he'd lost the election as early as January, and therefore all the efforts he made, Cassidy Hutchinson was her name, all the efforts that Trump made after that, and there were many of them, he did knowing that he effectively, he was trying to defy the will of the electorate and effectively stage a coup. And that is actually the charge. I think that one of the cases is the Washington case that was is prosecuted by Jack Smith, special prosecutor, that he, in fact, attempted to defy the will of the people. And she felt very threatened. She's published a, a book. It is full of very graphic detail. And she was in the room, and certainly Mark Meadows is in the room, and he has himself been charged in relation to, he's one of the 19 charged in Georgia, where they were trying to argue that voting machines had been tampered with. He's gone on to be Trump and these, this circle around him to be the first president with allies to try and ignore the will of the American people. Yeah, I mean, the key point there, I mean, is the question of what Trump knew yes. or actually accepted, because his defense in a couple of these cases appears to be built around the idea that he genuinely believed the election had been stolen or was in some way fraudulent, and therefore he is seeking to use that to say, well, then it was therefore 
okay, or not, at the very least not criminal, to try to overturn it. Now, if that is uh, compellingly proven to not be the case, in other words, if it is proven or shown that he had actually uh, was aware that he lost, then those actions become corrupt by definition. And that defense that he and his legal allies and political allies are trying to mount falls at that point. So that's why not just Cassidy Hutchinson, but the evidence from a lot of people around him will be so pivotal in saying, did he knowingly do this uh, in the awareness that he was making false claims? If that is the case, he's in very serious trouble. Yes, and he committed that crime whilst Mm. being still President of the United States. Indeed. Exactly. Okay, Niall, we're very grateful to you for joining us. Thank you very much indeed, Niall Stanage has reported on this story for the stand for several years now as it's developed and as Joe Biden's speech yesterday confirmed the belief of many people that something dangerous is happening in the most powerful Western democracy there is. We're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>